too many movies. I watch too much TV. I have too many kids. And now, we're doing a podcast. The Discerning Geeks Portal. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Discerning Geeks Portal, where we will take a discerning look into all things geek. I'm Dave, and I'm joined by my best friend, David. Hi. Hey, hey, Dave. Uh, Hi, Dave. (laughs) And Todd. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Everybody have a good week? It's been okay. Define good. All right, all right. I understand. I understand. It's tough times right now. Tough times. No, actually, to be perfectly honest, to be perfectly honest, I have my past week has been far better than I deserve. But that's for personal reasons, not necessarily for. Uh, we almost said not necessarily for life reasons, but for for personal reasons, it's, it's been far better than expected. Made a new friend, connected very good. We'll just have to see what happens. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. I like it. All right, so Todd, it's that time. Do you want to reveal to him what we decided to talk about on today's episode? Uh, yeah, we're doing another movie review, and this week the movie is Real Steel. A struggling former boxer makes a connection with his estranged son after they stumble upon a tough sparring robot and enter him in the World Robot Boxing Competition. Real Steel stars Hugh Jackman, Dakota Goyo, uh, Evangeline Lilly, Anthony Mackie, Kevin Durand, Hope Davis, and James Rebhorn. Real Steel came out on October 2nd, 2011, with a rating of PG-13. It was directed by Sean Levy. And I can't remember if I've heard this before and forgot, but in, in my research, I came to find out that it's based on a short story called Steel, written by Richard Matheson. Uh, very cool evangeline daily as always um warning to our listeners this episode will contain spoilers as we discuss the whole movie and possibly other things sci-fi so um definitely just know that we're gonna have those spoilers in there what spoilers no not us (laughs) so i have to have to start this off this is a special movie for me um yes my wife and i went and saw this movie on our honeymoon which wife oh oh, second one okay good (laughs) just checking Um, so we went to a a cool little um theater where we were staying in our on our honeymoon that had a like an option where you can have like a restaurant so you get to order your food and they brought the food to you um, very, very cool. And uh, we had a rainy day where we were just looking to kill some time. So we went to the movies together and saw this and loved it. Um, another cool thing, I'm not sure if this actually influenced or not, but I, I re- picked up on it as I was rewatching it. Um, of course, our first daughter's name is Evangeline. So it could have been influenced by this movie, not in a subconscious kind of way. Evangeline Lily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't know you guys were that much of a fan of Evangeline Lily, but since you're bringing up your daughters, do you know that she is a children's book author? I did not. I can't remember wow. the exact titles, but it's something about the Squicker Wonkers. Oh. oh, yeah. I've heard about that book. 
Yeah, um, and uh, she was at Dragon Con and talked about it. Uh, uh, I think last year, the year before, uh, I was almost tempted to go get one of her books, but I had a feeling that she was going to have a long line. I think I had something else to go to. So, very cool. No, I'll have to look that up. I'm gonna have to kind of go. That's that's pretty cool. Hot and smart. <laughs> Okay. So just I have another, just another warning. This review might get creepy. <laughs> so I have I have emotional attachment to this movie. Um, so yeah, emotional attachment that will probably come out as we discuss it um, and talk about different parts of it because this this movie gets to me. So um, I'll, I'll throw that out there just as a tease. Um, what you guys like about this movie? I'm a sucker for Rocky. I mean, I, I don't mean to just blow it out of the water like that, but. I can't help it. Uh, it's it's last last time we talked about basic archetype underdog movies, and this is absolutely even worse than the last one, Night's Tale, about being an underdog movie, and probably the epitome to me of underdog movies is like Rocky, and that's exactly what this is because you you implement the the boxing et cetera and so forth uh, into it. That uh, you know, I'm just a sucker for him. I can't help it. It is. This is this is Robot Rocky, um, in in so many. I think you had mentioned in another conversation we had had about this. Uh, over the top. If people have not seen that movie, this That's follows correct. that exact same pattern as Over the Top, which is also uh, Sylvester Stallone. In case you didn't know, Sylvester Stallone connecting with a estranged kid that he had as they are going to his was arm wrestling, and this is robot fighting. Uh, but uh, definitely some some similarities as far as the plots go in that. Yeah, that was going to be one of the points I was going to bring up too. That it is an underdog story, and I would say that's one of my favorite themes. You know, regardless of the genre, the plot, whatever, underdog stories. That's one of my favorite themes. It's it's definitely an excellent underdog story. I re- I really enjoy how it does start off a bit different in the fact that uh, you have chances at the beginning of this film where it's not going to have to be rocky it could just be a struggle story and uh in very interesting ways they do turn it into rocky but it takes about 15 to 20 minutes before you start really getting to that rocky story you you watch it you're kind of like but i believe that there's purpose to what you're seeing and i'll explain it later because i've had another thought that i will come up to after I let the other guys talk for a little bit, that I saw that I wonder if other people have seen. No, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, many ways, the difference for this is that Hugh Jackman's character, Charlie, um, at the beginning of this, he is the cause of his own demise. He is you know, not being successful because of himself. And it's not that he has to overcome these great odds. He has to change himself and overcome his own kind of hidden demons in order to be able to be successful. And I thought that was a really neat little twist on on the the character. Uh, We've already talked a little bit about theme and character, but before we get too far in the review, I thought I'd bring up something that happens chronologically right at the very beginning of the movie. I mean, seriously, the first three minutes. We don't even see an an image of the movie itself yet. We're still seeing the uh, like the DreamWorks emblem, and that has to do partially with the song that is played. I think I've also mentioned before I'm a fan of Stargate Universe, uh, the one of the TV shows in the Stargate franchise. 
and they tend to put uh, music, popular music, into some of their episodes, including two songs by Alexi Murdoch. And I'm not super familiar with that artist, but I, I like some of his songs. I've downloaded a couple of his albums. And uh, one of the songs in Stargate Universe, in fact, it's played during a music montage in my fourth favorite episode of Stargate Universe, is the song that starts this movie. Um, I, I look today and the song is about uh, five minutes long and they play about three minutes of it. But because I like that song so much, the very, very start of this movie already gets me in a good mood uh, because I hear that song. And I'm like, oh, that's a song from Stargate Universe. And um, and not only is the song great, but it helps in that first few minutes that we're just seeing opening credits because it's kind of a mundane scene. It's basically just Hugh Jackman driving a truck. So it could be very boring, but not only do I like the music, but the visuals are very good too. We see him driving this truck through some countryside where there's some farmland. Uh, there are windmills all around. Uh, and it's, so it's, it's this beautiful scenery and it gradually gets a little bit darker as he's driving. And then we see this carnival off in the background. So it kind of lights up and it's like a, a beacon off in the distance. And then as he continues to drive toward the carnival and into the carnival, we then see the lights from the various rides reflecting off his windshield. And it's just really cool the way we see his face, but we also see through that reflection of the windshield, the the things that are around him. And it it's it's just neat. So all of that at the very beginning just kind of puts me in a in a good mood um, from the very beginning. And it also made me think of Part of the reason we 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 get into movies and TV shows, especially those that that move us or that are become our favorite, and that is that movies and TV shows could be considered an amalgam of art, entertainment, and applied science. And this is a movie all about fighting robots. So there's our entertainment factor. It requires a lot of special effects. So there's your applied science. But it's my appreciation of those first three minutes that we got this great song and all these great visuals that makes me think that that's art. Um, it just kind of elevates those first few minutes for me. Uh, so just thought I'd bring up that point about the beginning of the movie. Well, Dave kind of started it. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you the thought that I had about this film. We have said the obvious, which is it's Rocky, which is fun. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you, if, if you love Rocky or even if you didn't like Rocky, give this one a chance because the sci-fi aspect to it, the robots, um, the interactions with the characters and the people that play them are very good. And like Todd said, the visuals and the music is excellent. I mean, a lot of this movie just simply flows. It just really, really flows. The thought, though, that I had didn't happen until the, till the very end of the film. And uh, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens. Most of you probably already know, or uh, you might go see it and enjoy it yourself. But I will tell you this. There's this one scene where Hugh Jackman's character, the father, has uh, is, is kind of hugging his son. The whole thing's over. It's, it's come to a head. It, there's There's been this kind of reconciliation. And Hugh Jackman's character is attempting to tell his son, Max, something. You don't know really what it is. He, he's stuttering. You can tell he's emotional. Hugh Jackman does a very excellent job at this at this point to just show that he's so overwhelmed with what's happened, this adventure that he's been on. And the little boy who is actually 
the same boy that played young Anakin Skywalker in Phantom Menace. No, no, he's not. Is he not? I thought he was. No, he he looks a lot like him. Does he? Right, but yes, yeah, totally different kid. Okay, well, let me tell you this: if 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 you're not correct, if you don't have a buddy like my my friend Todd that can correct you, you're gonna think this is the same kid that played young Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, he does look a lot like him. I mean, it's it's his twin brother. Anyway, regardless of that, Max stops him and just looks at him and says, it's okay, your secret's safe with me. And that's it. And the film continues for a little bit longer and then ends. But it was at that moment that I pondered that line because it was one of the lines that I always thought, why is that there? Because I couldn't figure out necessarily what Max was saying. And because I took time as I was watching the film and watched it several times to prepare for this, it suddenly kind of dawned on me that this film is rocky if you're watching it superficially. If you're watching it to just watch it to have a good time, you're going to see Rocky. If you watch it a couple of times and really pay attention, what this film really is is not Rocky. This film is actually a redemption story. It's the redemption of a man, Hugh Jackman's character, who had a life, had some stuff happen to him, fell from grace, kind of became really a dirtbag, Uh, which is, when you watch this film, you'll get that. Really became a dirtbag, and then reclaimed his old self and redeemed himself by this adventure with his son. And so what Max says to him when he's trying to articulate to his son at the end, and he's just kind of bubbling, and he's like, I I just, I have to tell you something. I, I need to... I need to do that. And he goes, it's okay. Your secret's safe with me. Most people immediately think that he's just going to say, I love you. I don't think so. I think the actual truth of the matter was, is the secret that Max told, told him he would keep safe was that his father gives a damn again. Because I think if you watch the movie a couple of times and really pay attention to the interaction between them, between Max and his father, Hugh Jackman and, and the little boy's character, the, the robot stuff is fine and great, but when you watch that and you really pay attention to it and the interactions that they have, you end up coming to the realization that here's a man who did not care. And then as this movie progresses, he returns to who he used to be, who was the person that everybody fell in love with. Uh, at one point, there's a third uh, kind of a third party character who's a, who runs an underground boxing ring and tells him, he goes, as much as I like you, you're a bad bet, dude. And you yeah. realize that he, he meant that in a, in a friendly way, I think. And so I think that's really what the story is. No, I agree. I think um, there's, there is that, that element of his redemption. Um, we find out that he was a boxer and that boxing died out. You know, at one point he even went toe to toe with like the number two person in the, you know, the boxing um, at the time. And then the robots took over. But he uses the robots as like throwaways. And we see that at the beginning. You know, he just, oh, the robot gets crapped and, and beat up. I'll get another one. Oh, that one gets tore up. Oh, I'll get another one. And then there's this bond that develops between him his son and this robot adam that his son salvages that ends up being the bridge between the father and the son 
Mm. It is a beautiful science fiction story of using that technology, something as simple as a non-talking fighting robot to be the bridge and bring them together and you're rooting for them not just in the ring you're rooting for them to for especially for Hugh Jackman's character to develop and to become better and as he does the that scene that you're talking about there that last fight that he has there is the moment where his son is looking at him and actually sees him with pride and mm-hmm. girlfriend sees him, you know, that we've, um, you know, that we've talked about the Evangeline, you know, as the actress, you know, her character sees him and had already talked about him, you know, in his heyday, in his fight, you know, how he was just beautiful, you know, the way that he was fighting and, and we get to see that. And the fact that they can actually capture that on the film in this movie. Um, I watched this movie three times in the last two days, just get ready for this podcast. <laughs> and I cried every single time. Every single time. It, it, it choked me up at minutes two. Yeah. And, and oh, you I, thought after, I thought after the first time, I'm like, oh, maybe it's just because I have this emotional attachment to this movie. After the second time, I was like, you know what, there is something here. And in many ways, I don't know if it's because of the the parent side of me. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I kind of even get choked up just thinking about it. It, it, I literally cried tears, having to wipe them out of my eyes um, each time as I watched this movie. And that, to me, makes it great. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with this so far. You, you also described one of my favorite moments in the movie too, that moment where everything kind of slows down and, and you see the reaction on everybody's faces and you see the, like you said, the kid looking at his dad with pride and his dad actually being good at something again and the girlfriend kind of looking at both of them and realizing that there's a connection. And I love the way that they slow that down. Uh, the music is really good there. Uh, slow motion is used well. And slow motion and kind of sappy music can go so wrong sometimes some sometimes a tv show or a, or a movie can use those badly in such a way that it's almost like they're pounding you in the head and yelling at you cry 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 it's better when it feels more organic and it's definitely organic in that scene you you, you feel it and you're not even sure why you feel it it's just that they use those techniques the right way to really enhance them that's true i uh I'm actually going to talk a little bit about the special features, which I normally don't do. But I did watch the director's commentary on this, and it is, oddly enough, the scene that we talked about uh, should be a moment of pride for the directors and everybody that made this film. Uh, The director himself actually spoke about how, when he got this film made, the reason he got this film made was he said, he was talking to Steven Spielberg, and I forgot the other producer, but he said he told them about that one scene at the end of this film in which everything just falls away. And it's just Hugh Jackman, Evangeline Lilly and Max, and it's going to be in slow motion. And he described the scene to them. And by describing the one scene and you can't miss it, you can't, when you watch the film, you, you'll know exactly what scene we're talking about because it's the only time that there's really slow motion in the film. You will immediately understand why when he described this scene to the producers 
they immediately greenlit the film because they wanted to see this this scene. And that scene that we have talked about is the very scene that the reason this film was made. Yeah, I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's a great film scene. Um, I like the development leading up to it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, this was this is a great movie for me. Uh, again, I, I like it for sentimental reasons. I'm glad that when we, you know, kind of happened upon it, I think there was only about two or three choices when uh, my wife and I had a movie to choose, and we chose this one that we did. Um, I asked her for her review. Um, and she, same kind of things that we talk about is the reasons that she likes this film as well. So, you know, we're three geeky guys talking about movies. Um, but, you know, for those females out there who are hopefully listening as well, um, or, you know, if you're a guy and you got a significant other, this is one that you can get them to watch and this, really this, to, to buy into. This is a love story, ladies. It it does have that romantic aspect to it. It's a little weird. It's a little rough around the edges. But if your guy's like, let's watch a movie, and you're in the mood for romance, but you know he wants pew-pew, you know, shoot him up type stuff, see if he doesn't have real steel. If he does, you can be like, oh, and then watch that with him. I guarantee you, you'll both be satisfied. He gets his, his pew-pew-ness, and you get your little romantic story. And trust me, it'll work. Yeah, one point. He drives what she said twelve thousand miles just for a kiss, and he was like worth it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so there is, there's a a lot of relationship development in this film, a lot of character development. Um, I want to ask a question, but I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. But I want to see if you guys picked up on it. Did you guys feel like there was development? as a character even for adam the robot well i don't know about development but that might tie into my weird theory um can we say it now or save it for a little later oh no go for it we've been waiting on you all night buds (laughs) okay (laughs) i had this weird wild theory that i had for the first time last night about four seconds after the movie was over it might be a theory that is such a stretch that you guys might think i'm crazy you might want to edit this out or it could be that I'm onto something and it might totally change your your view of the movie. Or I might be onto something, but it might be so obvious you're like, oh, well, of course that's what it is. Get on with uh, it. Okay. So to get to my theory, I've got to make four points first. Okay. Okay. So Ma- uh, Max, uh, the kid, is saved from a horrible accident by Adam, an old abandoned rain-soaked robot who just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Almost as if Adam was destined to catch him or like a guardian angel was looking over Max. And at some point, Max looks into Adam's face and says, can you understand me? And then he says, don't worry, your secret is safe with me. But what exactly is that secret? They don't exactly say. Uh, Is it just that Adam can understand Max or is it something more? My third point is actually, Dave, what you've already said. Uh, At the end of the movie, when Max calls Charlie dad for the first time, and Charlie is trying to tell uh, his son he loves him, which I know you have a theory it's something different. Max again says, don't worry, your secret is safe with me. So keep in mind the two characters that he said that to. And then in the very last shot, when we see the three of them together, Charlie, Max, and Adam, a light shines between them, and that light fills the screen in the final moment. So here's my theory. Could it be in some small, unspoken way that maybe Max saw Adam as more than just a robot 
and maybe the spirit of his mom looking out for him and trying beyond death to bring the boy and the father together. Wow. I actually had similar thoughts. Oh, really? Yeah, I have similar thoughts. Um, Nope, I didn't. You didn't? No, I did. I I had similar thoughts with... But I just had one that I'll mention, but go ahead. Even to the point of, like you had kind of mentioned, um, when Adam catches Max, pretty much. Mm -hmm. I mean, he literally, like when you watch it, I watched... One of the reasons I watched this movie several times was I wanted to watch some of these scenes very intently to see if what I was seeing was actually there. And I'll be honest, I think it's there, but I think they do such a good job of hiding it as well yeah. that it's it's supposed to be kind of that, oh, well, it could be that. And they're not going to tell you. I don't think that there's a way to, to know. Uh, but I agree. I think Max actually, or um, Adam actually catches Max, you know, it's not just a fluke that he hangs on his arm. I think that there was actual intent of saving him and that uh, also that there was intent in his development as he's fighting to, like you said, bring them together and to be that bridge. Um, And that uh, since one of the things that we haven't really talked about, but the reason that Max is spending his time with Charlie as he is up for, you know, um, custody because his mother has just died. And, Mm. you know, so he is looking for something, something tangible to hang on to in this world. His whole world, he was a child of a single mom, has now passed away, and he needs something. And the fact that he can ground himself in Adam and that Adam is able to focus that to Charlie to be his father is part of the beauty of the story for me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I see exactly what you're seeing. Um, okay. There's even one more scene where um, they are invited up to Zeus's um, yep. chamber or whatever, the other where they get to the suite, where they get to watch mm-hmm. the fights. And they spend a lot of time focusing on Adam Yep. Looking in a mirror. That was my next point. Yep. <laughs> yep. And 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 those scenes add so much depth to this metal piece of machinery. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> the metal piece of machinery has a name. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. But no, that was my next point because, you know, one of you mentioned before that there are just certain moments in this movie where you think, wait, is that going to be important later? And and that's what happened when when Max looked at Adam and said, your secret's safe with me. I thought, is that going to be important later? And it was because it tied back to the line that he that he gave his dad. But then you mentioned the whole robot looking in the mirror thing. To me, that felt like an existential moment. Like there was more to the robot, almost as if it was looking into its own soul. Or if you do buy into my theory, that maybe there's some connection between Adam the robot and Max's mom. It's almost like she was looking at her avatar in the physical world. Um, Also, the very last fight, Adam is really determined. He keeps getting knocked down and keeps getting back up. Now, if you see him only as nothing but a robot, you could just say, well, that's just his programming. 
But if, again, you buy into this theory that there's some connection with the mom, she lost her medical fight in, in the real world. If she was like like her spirit was embodied in, in this robot or something, maybe that's why she was that much more determined to not lose that fight. And then going back to that final moment with the light, uh, like I said, the light fills the screen in the final moment. Light uh, doing that is sometimes symbolic of uh, a spirit kind of passing on. Well, she has achieved her goal of bringing the father and son together. So it's almost like that light might symbolize her being able to move on. Her her, her job is done. Uh, and she can be at peace. Okay, so should I should I just go ahead and tell you if your theory is right or not? They mentioned sure. this in the director's cut. They do. Okay, go for it. Oh. <laughs> I, evidently, I'm the only one that decided to watch the director's cut. Um, yeah. it, is, it is not specifically mentioned whether or not it is her. Okay. But it is alluded to throughout the whole film whether Adam is sentient or not. Mm-hmm. That is done, as we have said, very excellently. Excellent. Excellently. Now, according to the director, the scene where they do get invited to the champ suite and they leave and he's staring into the mirror, that scene originally was going to have Adam move by himself. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was going to either tilt his head or he was going to like readjust his position on the table by himself without anybody controlling him or anything. And that was to give away finally there before his first fight in the robot boxing league that there was more to it because it had already been alluded to to, to, to try to quickly, quickly catch people up listening that have not seen it. The bots that are fighting now in the robot boxing league are generation four. They're called G4s. Adam is a G2, which means he's roughly 20 years old in this in this type of world, or or, or maybe uh, well, no, because uh, he would be like five or six years old. Uh, they even pass a, a G1 that looks like your kind of rock'em sock'em robot, but they're like about human size. They mentioned about how like when they first started, they people wanted them to look as human as possible. And then they slowly got more and more robotic because people wanted bigger and badder and more more mayhem. But for a G2, they have already discovered things in this G2 that are not normal. For instance, when you see them unpacking him and whatever, it talks about him having a shadow feature, which was rare to start with in bots even now. And the shadow feature basically allows him to see someone and mimic what they're doing, which is... you essential to the film because part of the gimmick is Max will dance with the robot before the match, which hypes people up. The director actually mentioned how it was subtly done to make the person wonder if Adam, the robot was perhaps far more advanced than people thought. But with that being said, so yes, there was supposed to be a scene where he moved they decided, no, 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 let's just keep it where you don't know. But it's done very, very well, where you mm. sit there and you go, you know, he might be thinking, you know, because Max yells at him sometimes. And even though you could, you know people are controlling him, you see Hugh Jackman's character, like, controlling him to get him back up. There just seems to be moments where when Max screams at him to stand up, he that's when it suddenly, he it, like, activates, and he does. To blow your mind even more, Todd, by taking your theory and adjusting it slightly. Here's an idea that just popped in my head when you mentioned yours, because it's a nice, it's a, it's a fun thought. Hugh Jackman's character as a boxer 
was a sparring partner. He was mm. not a guy. He boxed and he fought like I think like forty fights. Everyone in knockout, even though he got knocked out like nineteen times and like knocked out twenty three people or something like that. Everyone was a knockout, so it was one of those where he was that type of boxer where you, if you didn't knock him out, he was going to keep coming. But he was basically a sparring partner because it talks about like the big fight with the uh, second and the the guy the next guy that was going to fight for the title. He he sparred with him even though it was a even though it was un, was in the ring. The G two is a sparring storm sparring bot. It's it's not supposed to, he's not supposed to actually be in the ring. He's just supposed to give practice to the people controlling the other robots to let them fight. So he's very heavily built. Both Max's father and Adam are both sparring partners. The mm-hmm. bot is the same thing as the as the father. Here's the one that here's the theory that I'm going to blow your head with. Okay. What if somebody when they built the G2 knew of Max's father, liked how Max's father fought and decided on a whim or whatever that he implemented the shadow feature and other aspects into Adam specifically so that he could show tapes of Max's father fighting so that this G2 would fight like his father used to fight in the ring. Now, I know that they do program program him as a boxer, but is it possible that perhaps this G2 is and was designed on the basis of Hugh Jackman's boxing character to start with? Hmm, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I know that part of what ends up making him great as we kind of get into a montage of him going into the fights is that Hugh Jackson, you know, uh, his character actually teaches him to fight. He actually, you know, goes out and trains him like he would a fighter. He shows him the moves. He does the things. Uh, and we kind of see that. And it's, I think that was one of the things that made the bot successful was that it was actually using human fighting style and was not limited to these robot fighting styles. And the robots were programmed to fight in certain ways. And you kind of see that with Twin City, the two-headed robot. You know, it's it fights a certain way because it has two heads and it doesn't have a blind spot. But it's a an artificial type fighting versus what um, Adam learns and he learns from Charlie, he learns how to actually fight, to be a fighter. And so I, I definitely see what you're saying. I think that there that is part of the, the brilliance is he carries over that fighting style. Uh, as we're kind of approaching um, towards our, our, our lightning round, we have a few more minutes. Were there any huge negatives that anybody wanted to, to point out in this film? Yes. Not. Oh, go ahead. And and it, it's supposed to be a negative, so I'm not sure if it's really a negative. Okay. But the um, first guy you meet that Charlie owes money to, jackass. Complete. 100%. Jackass. Just straight up. There's no other way to say it. Now, he's supposed to be. He's like a villain, which is why I'm not really sure this is a bad thing. But let me put it to you this way. If you love to watch movies and hate certain people, you're gonna love to hate that some bitch. I'm gonna tell you right right now. All right, I'm done. Well, and I and I watched several times, and I don't know that they came out and said it, but I feel like 
that was supposed to be the fighter that he lost to. Because he makes the comment several times, the last time I saw you, you know, you were looking up for me from the mat. You know, so if it wasn't that one, it was a fighter that he fought somewhere in the past, I think. Um, and so, yeah, he's a he's a he's a dick character. He's he's pretty rough. <laughs> um, what else? Anything else? Oh, oh, go ahead, Todd. I'm sorry. Well, well, actually, I, I had one more positive. So so go ahead. No, oh, go ahead, uh, if oh, I can squeeze it in. Uh, sure, you will. Um, the the front of the truck. <laughs> yeah it was I a did, weird looking truck I, look, the truck's weird enough as it is but i kind of get that you know it's you're okay you're a robot fighter so it's a big box truck so you can keep your robot in it you got all your parts back there and because you travel a lot you sleep back there it's not a problem i don't have a problem with that i don't really have a problem with the cab but when you see the front of this truck you're gonna probably think like i'm thinking what the hell are those windows for there's windows that you see their feet when they're sitting in the chair as they're driving. And you have to be thinking what I'm thinking. What the hell are those windows for? Because it is the, it, 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 it looks like a pig straight up. It just looks like a pig with two big old nostrils. And I don't know why it annoys me, but it just annoys me. The color doesn't even annoy me because the, the color is like puke green with like light green around it. The color doesn't even annoy me, but those two damn windows on the front of that truck. I, I just want to break them. I just want to break them, come with cardboard, be like, what happened? Ah, somebody busted my windows. All right, I'm done. Oh, you got another positive? Yeah, if I could squeeze it in real quick, because uh, we're, we're talking so much about sentimentality and, and big themes and how the first three minutes are art. I, I, so I want to fit in one more uh, really good positive here, or at least I hope it's good. And that's the theme of passing on legacy, um, because we've got the backstory of Bailey's father training Charlie in boxing. We've got Tollett's Jim passing from Bailey's father to her. We've got Max going from his mom to Charlie. Parts from Ambush and Noisy Boy going to Adam. Uh, Charlie's skills being trained in Adam. Charlie directly controlling Adam via shadow mode. And then overall, Adam as being the instrument in bringing Charlie and Max together. So I, I think that's, uh, on top of all the other things we've mentioned, that's one more theme is is what you pass on to either the next person, next generation, next robot, whatever. It, it's about passing on legacy. I know we talked about it maybe in one of our episode zero um, as we were talking, so I don't know that we've let that out yet. But this, to me, of the movies we've reviewed so far, has the most moments. Mm -hmm. And they're those memorable moments that, just absolutely wrap you up in the film um and for a sci-fi film with you know things like robots i think that's that's important to me that that's that sticks out that that was one of the the best things that i liked about this movie um, i thought the acting was right on you know high quality with with uh, everything that went on couple of the bad guys were a little um cartoonish i guess but that's mm. kind of how they were supposed to be homeboy yeah. homeboy <laughs> wow i would have liked to have seen what happened to him in the end oh um, i think yeah. we all know what happened to him in the end but anyway <laughs> and team team zeus they were very mustache twirling they, yes. they didn't even win well. They were they were the worst winners in the world. <laughs> That's true. 
Now, as far as the robots go, and I want to throw out one other moment that I thought was interesting as far as these robots all having a little bit of sentience, when Zeus walks by Charlie, and they're supposed to be just kind of walking down the hall to their, you know, after the fight, Zeus looks at Charlie the whole time when he walks by. Like, he doesn't look at anybody else. He doesn't, like, he's not playing to the audience. Not Charlie, he looks at Max. Yeah, that's Max. Uh, You know, he looks at Max, who's standing out there, and it's like, wow, that's a weird moment. Why would he do that? You know, he's just supposed to be walking and being controlled by this, you know, joystick. You know, and, and he takes a moment to look at Max as he walks by. I thought, hmm, is there something there? Don't really know. Yeah, it it really plays up very well on the are, are they sending it or are they not sending it? Because yep. you know, when you sit down and you think about it, you're like you're at generation four. You know? If you're at well, generation four and they're getting more and more advanced and they're getting faster and faster and faster and they're getting more and more programming on how to fight, eventually at some point there is a good chance that the computer will take over, so mm-hmm. to speak. And so it's entirely possible that maybe it's not necessarily sentency or AI, so to speak, but perhaps there are these little glitches where it's like, hello, I'm supposed to kind of really play up to those kids because those kids are what keeps me running. And so he looks at him because don't forget right after he does that, the guy in the back throws him a t-shirt. Yep. yep. It's, it's, it's almost like the guy in the back. And, and the, so you, you could almost go, well, maybe he's just programmed to do that, that it randomly at some point, certain parameters are met he's supposed to do that to give that kid a thrill. And then the guy behind him that's walking to the very back notices Zeus is looking at that kid. I need to give that kid a shirt. And, or is it something else? So sadly it is that time for those of you who haven't heard one of our podcasts before. uh, We're to that point in the show where we do a lightning round. And Todd doesn't breathe for 30 seconds. Lift off and the clock has started. In our lightning round, (laughs) we have 30 seconds to say whatever we want about this show, uh, this movie, and uh, throw out there any other tidbits that we want to add to the conversation, good, bad, in between, or not even related to the movie, and, you know, add it to the thing, to the feature. And then after that, we will give our formal reviews and how we rate this movie. And then we'll hopefully throw out some teasers for what we'll do next week. So, who wants to go first in our lightning round today? Thank God, do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Yeah, mine's going to be a quote and some some nitpicks since I squeezed in that one extra positive. Okay. Here we go. And go. Near the beginning, there's a quote. A kid says, you want $5? Seriously? Charlie says, no, I want $5 immediately. Nitpicks. Uh, the robot names aren't great. Ambush, Noisy Boy, what makes him noisy? Midas, Adam, Zeus, Twin Cities, Twin Cities, really? Uh, it's a little cringeworthy when the robot uh, fights the bull, especially the moment he actually punches the bull, kind of a PETA alert. Uh, it's hard to believe that Noisy Boy is only $45,000. You think a robot would be a whole lot more. Uh, this movie came out in 2011, especially based in 2020, and the references to robots uh, existing in 2016, 2014. Here it is, 2020. We still have the stuff in. <sighs> Are, are, are you okay? Yeah, I'm done. You yeah. right. <laughs> right. did good. You did good. You did good. Just, I thought he, thought he passed out for there for a second. 
I guess I could go second. Whatever, if you want to, or I, yeah, I can, whatever. Who wants to count me down or tell me when to go? Okay, ready? Yes. Go. Um, I'm actually with you, Todd. The first thing I noticed was they talked about this movie being in 2020, and I'm like, where's my robots? Nobody. I mean, mm-hmm. we have some battle bots and robot you know, fighting things, but nothing near this scale, and we need them, and we need to get people working on that kind of stuff now. Um, I love this movie, though. This movie um, brings a tear to my eyes. It, it, it's a high place in my heart, and, and I love it for a lot of different reasons. Okay. Yay! And... My turn. Let me know. Okay, ready? Sure. Go. Okay, because evidently I was the only person that actually did watch any of the extra, extra stuff in it. One of the th- interesting facts I found out about is when you watch this film and you watch the robots fighting, you're going to kind of be amazed at how fluid it is. I found out why. Each of the fights are real. They put actual boxers in green screen to actually fight and with actual contact so that the robots, when they were overlaid, would look like they would look if they got hit. It's pretty awesome. That's Definitely it. check it out. Very cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Fine. I'm done. <laughs> All right. So it's time for our rating. And I guess I can go first today because I've talked about loving this movie um, for many sentimental reasons. Um, I think we've had one of these films for Todd already. Um, I think this is the first one for me for doing reviews. Um, this movie actually falls in my like top 10. Um, oh, I wow. I love this film. Um, I give it a, a strong um, 10 out of 10. Wow. The more I watched it, the, the fewer flaws I had with it. I, I kept my attention watching it. I watched it yesterday. Uh, my wife and I curled up on the couch and watched it again last night. And I kind of watched it even with the kids kind of running around. A little bit of rough language but sometimes, but nothing too terrible. And, and most of it's kind of just, you know, kind of flies by. Um, so yeah, this one gets a 10 from me. Wow. I knew you liked it, but I didn't know you liked it that much. Yep. <laughs> wow. yep. A very enlightening episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll go next. Uh, this is a superb underdog story with a lot of heart and good father and son themes. It is at the same time, just a fun robot fighting movie. Uh, it has a great opening sequence. Uh, it's more emotional than you would expect from a movie like this, as we gave several examples for. Uh, and the whole Adam mother guardian angel theory that I came up with actually elevates it a little bit because I was expecting this to be a B plus and it was a B plus already in my spreadsheet. But after watching it again, I'm going to bump it up to a minus. <gasps> Ooh, what? high praise. Yep. High praise to get a, get a bump from Todd. Mm-hmm. I, I'm easy. This is definitely what I would call primetime movie. Like if I know it's been out, but if say it had just come out, Completely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Pay full dollar. Go, go to the, go to the matinee. Go to the primetime movie. Plan for a movie night. Whatever it is, this is worth it. It's excellent. You're not gonna feel like you wasted your money if you paid for it. It's just if you definitely, absolutely, if by now you find it on the five dollar rack, snatch it because it will stay in your collection. It really, really will. It's just that good of a film. Yeah, to do this watch, I only rented it, but after us talking about it, I'm thinking maybe I should just go ahead and purchase it. 
Because I, I don't do, I think I'm going to do away with Blu-rays. I, I don't watch movies often enough, especially sticking them in a machine. And in fact, my Blu-ray player is a little bit on the fritz anyway. So I, I think all my movie purchases, as rare as they may be, will be digital from now on. I don't know. After us talking about it, I might just purchase Ooh, that's hardcore. All right, so what are we going to talk about next week, gang? Um, I got one I really want to do. I hope I haven't mentioned it before. I know it's going to cause a little cringe in Todd. I really want to do Dune. Oh. Which, wait, 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 wait. Which Dune? Because don't forget, Sci-Fi did that really shitty one. Yeah, no, I want, I want the the movie. You know. Oh, the Ralph the Lawrence one. Yep, yep, yep. Oh yeah. yeah oh no. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> I vote Dune. Oh wait, no, we're not supposed to vote beforehand. It's Pat. Come on, Patrick Stewart's in it. There's some Star Trek for you. Uh, I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, well, uh, speaking of somebody who's been in TV, and I think we've talked about the possibility of doing TV before. Uh, I was thinking maybe we could do a TV topic and it could be uh, best series premieres and or best series finales. Kind of cheating a little bit, two possibilities there, but either the premieres or the finales or, or mix them together. Okay. Killer Clowns. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was almost tempted to say it so that you wouldn't. <laughs> but then I figured, no, you would just say it anyway. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, cool. I, I like both of y'all. We'll just decide, you know, all I have to do is just flip Todd or flip Dave, and we get to do one and I one. Now I have to ask Todd, which is more cringeworthy, Dune or Killer Glounds? <laughs> oh. Ooh, this is a good question. I don't know, because I honestly don't know anything about Killer Clowns. It sounds like something that probably came in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely an 80s movie. Back when movies were awesome. It, is it horror? <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's sci-fi horror. Well, you know what? The funny thing is, is, well, I better not get to talking about it. But to put it simply, yes, but new. Because if you ever do actually sit down and watch it, you're going to realize that a lot of it is just dumb comedy. But it's just... Anyway, okay, fine, fine, okay. fine, fine, fine. Okay. Not it, it would How be more cringeworthy then. The killer clowns would be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving mm-hmm. on. Sorry, edit that beep. Um, yeah. Explicit tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Explicit advisory warning. I am not suitable for small children. Trust me, Dave knows. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to Uncle Dave ever. Okay. Or Obi Dave. I love it when they call me Obi Dave. Anyway, moving on. Sorry, I'm getting nostalgic. Uh, okay, fine. Not Killer Clowns. How about um, uh, best and worst Q episode from Star Trek? Ooh. Next generation. How about that? Or any Star Trek. There we go. Any Star Trek. Any Star Trek Q episode. Best and worst. Best and Can worst we have Q. a five-way tie? No. <laughs> okay. You you can mention them, I guess, but you have to pick one for both sides. Just, Just one? Just one? How many, oh. how many are there? It depends on how you look at it. Um, there's, <laughs> well, there's Encounter at Farpoint Park. Whoops. Oh. Who did we lose? I think we lost Todd. Q was pissed. 
evidently. Hugh said, I will disrupt the continuum and we will end this conversation. <laughs> we, we, we would like to apologize. It seems that our friend is being judged by the continuum at this moment. Uh, well, I guess we'll have to find out next week. If yeah, we we'll have to find out next week that. if we can talk about Q because I don't know. We might be. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to log off right now. I'll see you later, both. All right. <laughs> Y'all have a wonderful week. <laughs> Whoa! What happened? Where am I? Hello? Hello? It's like I'm in a featureless void. There's nothing here at all. Oh, except this note on Q Continuum Stationery? Huh, that's a nice font. Dear Pitiful Human, oh. Read the outro for your little review of the robot fighting movie, and I'll return you to your own dismal space and time? Sincerely, the omnipotent, benevolent Q. Benevolent? He even underlined the word dismal. I was going to read the outro anyway, and for the record, I think we proved it's more than just a robot fighting movie. Okay, whatever it takes to get home. Greetings, human and robotic listeners. Thank you for stepping through the portal with us for another episode of the Discerning Geeks Portal. Our email address is discerninggeeks at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Discerning Geeks Portal and on Twitter at Discerning Geeks. Until our next match of the ring, be well, block those punches, and continue enjoying whatever makes you a discerning geek. Okay, I read the outro, Q. Can I go now? Q? Hello? Q? You're not going to keep me here, are you? Q? Please? Q, this isn't funny!